Well, grace to you and peace from our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, starts out 10 of the letters that are in the New Testament with those words. Grace to you and peace from our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. And in a similar way, in that reading from Luke, we have angels coming from heaven in the presence of shepherds and saying to, glory, saying to the shepherds, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, good will among those with whom he is pleased. Peace. Again, there's that theme. Tonight, there are so many rich meanings. It is a holy night. It is a night where we use lights in the midst of darkness. It is a night with Christmas trees and candles, and we have all sorts of symbol. And I want to focus on the symbol of peace this night. I want to look at that topic and have us reflect on what it means that we have a prince of peace, as the scripture just told us. What I like about this service in particular, Christmas Eve, it's, it's tranquil. It's quiet. There's a hush. There's a hushed tone to it. There's something about the darkness outside and the warmth of the candles that invite us in. It's so quiet, you could hear even a mouse. And the thing about peace is those are some themes, for sure, of peace. But peace, if you look it up, has a much bigger definition. Peace isn't just about tranquility and calmness and quietness. It is also about harmony between people, harmony in relationships. It is also, in this definition, a time without war. So peace is much bigger than this. And there are really, in our world, rare glimpses of times when not only is there tranquility, but there's harmony among people and war has stopped. There's constant war. There's constant strife, it seems. And there's constant noise. And on this holy night, it gets quiet, a silent night. And I really like that. And I want to recall to some of your memories a very famous event of history that happened. Some refer to this as a miracle. And in many ways, it really was because those three elements of peace all converged for a very brief moment. There was a tranquility and a calmness. There was harmony between people who were previously at odds. And there was a cease to war just in that area, just for a little bit. I'm referring to the Christmas Day ceasefire from the Great War in 1914, World War I. This event happened that was recounted in the journals of the soldiers from many different places along the Western Front. After months of heavy fighting and really a stalemate and and deep trench warfare, it was Christmas night and something amazing happened where spontaneous ceasefires popped up all along the Western Front, just in certain areas. But they guessed that 100,000 people were part of it on both sides, both of the armies. And it was certainly not sanctioned by the leaders. But it was something that was miraculous. It was a, a brief glimpse. And I have here one of the journal entries of a man named Captain Robert Patrick Miles. He was of the Royal Irish Rifles. And he was fighting that night. And he recorded this in a letter, which was later published in the news about a month later. The entry is from Friday. And in parentheses, it says Christmas Day. He says, we are having the most extraordinary Christmas Day imaginable. A sort of unarranged and quite unauthorized but perfectly understood and scrupulously observed truce exists between us 
and our friends in front. The funny thing is, it only seems to exist in this part of the battle line. On our right and on our left, we can all hear them firing away as cheerfully as ever. The thing started last night, a bitter cold night with white frost. Soon after dusk, when the Germans started shouting, Merry Christmas, Englishmen, to us. Of course, our fellows shouted back, and presently, presently, large numbers of both sides had left their trenches, unarmed, and they met in the debatable, shot-riddled, no-man's-land between the lines. Here, the agreement, all on their own, came to be made that we should not fire at each other until after midnight tonight. The men were all fraternizing in the middle and swapped cigarettes and lies in the utmost good fellowship. We naturally did not allow them too close to our line, but not a shot was fired all night. That is a tiny glimpse of a moment of true peace in the midst of a horrific situation. It's a rare glimpse. It's, it is really miraculous. And it, what it does is it excites in us our longing for peace. It reminds us of what it could be like and not to settle for what it currently is. And this night, we had a reading from Isaiah chapter 9. And that's my preaching text for the night. And it speaks of something incredible. The prophet Isaiah, the mouthpiece of God, is speaking to a people that are in conflict and in turmoil and in strife and have all sorts of problems. And he speaks of something that is going to happen. And he says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And we know that he is speaking ahead of time, like 800 years ahead of time, of Jesus, of the miraculous birth, the birth in the manger. The reason we know he's talking about that is because no other successor to King David accomplished what this passage says this child to be born would do. He does amazing things just in these few verses. There are incredible titles given to him. For instance, wonderful counselor, mighty God. No other successor to King David is called mighty God. He's called prince of peace. And then it says this, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. That is an amazing statement. It is something that should begin to excite in us a hope. But we, we read that and we think, why then? 2,000 years he's been the Prince of Peace since he came. That child came to us. And here we are two millennia later. And it doesn't seem like there's an increase in this, this kind of thing. It doesn't seem like it's growing. There's one hint for us here. If we look at the life of Jesus from the time he was born until the time he died, his personal life, his public life was not particularly marked by peace. The very prince of peace came and experienced a crowded inn, couldn't get a room, was born in a manger, a lowly stable. Before he was even old enough to speak, he was an exile for political reasons. He was someone run out because there was a death threat upon his head. And then as he grew up, he grew up in an average family, but he goes public at 30 years of age. And for three years, he's met with conflict. He's met with misunderstanding. He's opposed. He at times has to sneak in secret because of the crowds pressing in on him and the religious leaders that were jealous of him. And if that isn't enough, his own life, the Prince of Peace, concludes with him dying on a cross. 
So it says something to us about the reign of this Prince of Peace, that he would go from a manger to the cross and have very little peace in his own life and ministry. And then how about his message? At times, he seems to have given a mixed message. In Matthew chapter 10, he says this, and I could see why it would be confusing. He said, don't think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. And then he describes all kinds of relationships that will be divided by this sword. Parents from their kids, a husband from a wife, and various relationships that he is going to cause the division of. He says, I'm not going to come and bring peace, but a sword. And you say, but isn't your title the Prince of Peace? And of the increase of peace in your government, there will be no end? Then what gives? Well, here's the simple answer. His kingdom is at odds with our world. His kingdom is not being received by all people. There are many hearts who are still at odds with him and oppose him as the Prince of Peace. Think about the questioning that he underwent on the night that he was examined by Pontius Pilate. He was asked by Pilate if he was a king. And he answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of this world. And then Pilate says to him, so then you are a king. And he says, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose, I was born. Catch this. This is Christmas Eve, the birth of Christ. For this purpose, I was born. And for this purpose, I came into the world to bear witness to the truth. That's why he came, is to bear witness to the truth. And you say, well, what truth is that? Well, the truth is that we need a savior. We need a savior, savior because we are under judgment for rejecting and rebelling against God. We need a savior to come. We need one to come and fight for us, one to come and solve our problem. And God, out of love for us, sent his son to bring peace, to reconcile us to him first, to restore us to a right friendship with God. This is good news. Peace on earth starts with peace with God. In fact, apart from peace with God, there will never be peace on earth. It's impossible. But Jesus came so that that first step could be taken, that there could be reconciliation between God and man, that we could experience that. There's a really powerful passage a little further in Isaiah. It's part of what is known as the burning heart of Scripture from Isaiah 53. And just verse 5 says this, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. So he suffered conflict so that we could experience peace. He took our sins so that we could be forgiven and granted his righteousness. This is the great exchange that the Apostle Paul talks about in Romans 5, that that we who trust in him are justified by faith and therefore have peace with God. So peace on earth starts with peace with God. You know what's interesting about those World War I soldiers? Both nations, or there were several nations involved in that particular fight, obviously an Irish person, there were some Brits that were there on one side, there were Germans on the other. All three of those nations mentioned are Christian nations that were heavily full of Christians. And so even though on the surface there was a war going on and killing and fighting, underneath that was a much bigger allegiance Their allegiance was to the king, the king of kings, not to any particular local leader. And so on a night like this, 
a holy night when it got cold and they just got tired and quiet and were looking at what day it was and realized the significance of that day. The Spirit of God, I believe, moved on their hearts and said, this is my night. It's a holy night. And so they started to sing hymns and they started to say, Merry Christmas, Englishmen, and back to the Germans. And what happened was hearts, hearts that belonged to God on both sides went, let's take a time out from this skirmish. Let's stop this war for a minute and let's remember who we are. Let's remember the peace that we have because of the Son of God who was born in Bethlehem, the Prince of Peace. And it was an amazing picture. The angels, they come and they say, there's peace among those with whom he is pleased. And Jesus, who bears witness to the truth, shows us that what it takes to please God is to receive the Son, the gift of God, the Son of God. And the scriptures teach us that in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. So make peace with God through Christ this night. He's given a gift. We're in his house. The gift is his son. And he invites us to receive that gift. And what will happen is something that you did not expect. A peace that surpasses understanding will come into your life. You will be able to function in the midst of the strife and the wars and the conflicts of our day because you have a deeper peace, a deeper peace that goes with you. You know this isn't the end. You know there is more. And as you experience that peace, you also experience a call to help work reconciliation for other people. That's part of the ministry that Christ gives his people, a ministry of reconciliation to go. He says in his high priestly prayer to the father, he says, I'm coming to you, but I, as you sent me, I am sending them. So his people are sent into the world to be peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called sons of God, sons and daughters of God. A peacemaker is different than a peacekeeper. A peacekeeper just don't, don't stir up anything. Keep it, just keep it. A peacemaker goes and says, repent, turn back to God. A peacemaker says, go and, and extend forgiveness. Part of having forgiveness with God is then we can have forgiveness with other people and call other people to have forgiveness with God. You see, his kingdom is expanding. It is expanding by huge numbers. I know we don't see it in this country right now, but if you look at some of the statistics and some of what's happening spiritually around the globe, huge numbers of people are coming to Christ. They're experiencing the peace that surpasses understanding, and they are taking up the call to go and share with others. The number of Christians is greater today than any time in history. That is going to continue and continue and continue until the Lord decides it's time to come back. This night, we have an image we have a picture. We have a picture of a baby, a, a tiny baby born in a stable in a manger. And it's a very peaceful thought, particularly if it's late and he's fallen asleep. It's a peaceful thought of a sleeping baby. Take that image as you think of the babe in the manger and see it as both the beginning of his ministry and also see it as the end. The day will come when the Prince of Peace will complete that work. There will be no more war. There will be no more strife between people. There will be forgiveness. There will be tranquility and harmony. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And it doesn't just mean a peaceful, easy feeling. It means wholeness, blessing under God, all being right. Everything is good. That's the kind of thing that Jesus came to bring. And he is working that. And his kingdom, his government, and that peace 
of that, there will be no end. So tonight as we come to worship him, let's remember the peace that he is working for. And let's ask him to come and be the Lord in our hearts. And let's ask him to show us where we can help be peacemakers in this world. And to him be the glory. Would you please pray with me? Lord, we worship you this night. Father, we give you thanks for sending your son. And Jesus, we thank you for obeying and coming, for your humility, that you condescended to come down to us, that you were pierced for our transgressions, and that you won peace for us with God. Father, we thank you for that and will for all eternity. We will be forever grateful. This is the greatest gift that has ever been given, and it's the greatest story ever told. And we thank you for our part in it for including us in your story. I pray this in your holy name. Amen.